Hi, I'm Daniel Fontaine, co-host of BC Polytalk. And I'm Bill Tillman, the other co-host. On today's show, we have the Minister uh, Joyce Murray. She's the Minister of Digital Government for the federal government. And uh, we're going to be talking to her about everything digital. Yeah, it's really, it's a brand new portfolio, never been seen before. And uh, unlike the Minister for Middle Class Prosperity, who we haven't had on the show and probably won't, we won't. Uh, I think this is really an interesting and important area because increasingly, Daniel, our world is digital. Our world is online. Uh, so many things going on there. And so I think it actually is a smart move by the federal government to have a minister responsible and kind of pull all these threads together. I was thinking the same thing too. And in uh, doing research before this uh, podcast, uh, I was looking into the portfolio, the mandate letter, and it's a lot of actually really interesting things that, uh, that Minister Murray has responsibility for. So I know that uh, we always think of digital being maybe for younger generations, but I think some of the work that uh, her ministry is doing actually applies to a cross-section of our society, young, old, and, and everything in between. It does. And also her mandate letter from Prime Minister Trudeau is actually kind of scary reading because it talks about cybersecurity, something yes. we're seeing increasingly as a problem. It talks about the ethical use of data and of artificial intelligence, uh, something that I want to ask about. Yeah. And, you know, we really are facing almost weekly we hear of a security breach, unencrypted information going missing, etc. So uh, the federal government has a huge repository of digital information. I want to kind of get as well with her today, what does it really mean, uh, digital government? I mean, we mm -hmm. hear that, like, it could be a, a buzzword. Mm -hmm. but what does it mean for the average Canadian and average British Columbian when uh, Minister Murray is successful? What does it mean? So I'm going to try to probe a little bit, find out uh, what's the practical uh, kind of common sense components of her ministry that will impact British Columbians. So I'd like to learn more from her about that. Yeah, I mean, really, when you think about government, it used to be government offices would be everywhere. But really, if you're not in a major urban center uh, right now and you need to access government information or mm -hmm. government programs, uh, things like that, and you don't want a multi-hour wait on a telephone yeah. or a multi-hour drive to a, an office, you've got to go digital. And we can't forget to mention as well that a lot of Canadians don't even have access to the internet. Mm -hmm. And how do you become a digital government when components of your society don't even have access to the internet. So I'll definitely be probing uh, her on that. So we'll be right back. BC Polytalk thanks Harbor Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Minister Joyce Murray, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you because we have to admit uh, the Minister for Digital Government is a new cabinet role, a new title, and um, we'd love to hear what it's about, really. Well, firstly, a Minister of Digital Government's role is to is to make sure that we, um, as a as a government, the federal government, do. Uh, better job of uh, providing the tools and systems and processes for our public servants to be able to better serve Canadians. So it is really all about Canadians and what kind of service they expect in a, dig in a digital age from their governments. Yeah, and so, it's so yeah. important now as we increasingly are so much online. I know a friend of mine who was not on the Canada Revenue Agency uh, website at all. I helped her uh, get on with a person with disability. And um, if you can't do that, you really are um, limited in what you can access in terms of government data. Well, I, I would say that there are some uh, challenges in accessing government services. And uh, we all have examples. Uh, MPs have examples because mm -hmm. people come for, to us for help. Mm -hmm. uh, and what ideally we should be able to do is be able to serve Canadians in a or have the transactions with government be as easy as ordering from uh, Amazon, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, people expect to be able to do all of their banking on their iPhones. And yet, uh, I, I've got a friend who will be turning 65 soon and wanted to figure out how do you think about when you want your benefits to start flowing. And she could not get through, she could not get information on internet or through mm-hmm. the phones and had to go chase down a Services Canada and go in in repeated visits to be able to understand. So we have some work to do mm-hmm. as a federal government. Mm-hmm. and. Identifying this uh, as a priority was about bringing in a first ever standalone minister of digital government. So, Minister, I was uh, talking, I had the chance to speak recently with Minister uh, Carla Qualtro and uh, we were chatting and I told her that we were going to be interviewing you. And one of the things she said is you've got to ask Minister Murray about Estonia. And so I was thinking, why would, how can <laughs> Estonia be connected to the portfolio of, of, of the minister? And she said, uh, she said that they're doing some really interesting things around mm-hmm. digital government. Even though they're a small country, there are some ideas and concepts that perhaps we could import into Canada. Would you maybe expand on that? And what was she talking about? Well, so Estonia was, has been really leading the charge in digital. Uh, when the USSR broke up, it was a brand new country in a way. And so they were not um, blessed or weighted down um, with a whole lot of systems in place, which is where Canada is at. So it's a different type of a challenge to start from scratch and create a way that people can interact with government in a way that is simpler, faster, and more accurate. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Estonia has taken it beyond how people interact with government, and so their banking and other private sector activities are also all uh, connected in a way, but also in a way that um, respects privacy and security. So they've been a, a digital leader, but Canada has some different challenges. I met with the uh, with the um, leads in digital government uh, from Estonia actually a couple of years ago when I was at a conference on that uh, was about the digital nations of which Canada is one. So when I'm explaining some of the things that we are challenged with, at the same time Canada is considered one of the leading nations on digital and and AI and open government. So we have to also uh, give ourselves some credit but we have a lot more work to do to really be serving Canadians as they expect in a digital age. And, um, and that's what, that's my job is. And you're also uh, <coughs> responsible in your mandate letter from the Prime Minister says cybersecurity. We've had a lot of challenges. I mean, here in British Columbia, people remember just recently, Life Labs uh, had a security breach. Uh, and I think the president or CEO was on air and he didn't really know if the data was encrypted or not, um, which I was kind of astonished at. But uh, And we've had other issues. How much of a concern and a threat to Canada is the cybersecurity issue? Well, I think we all have to be mindful that it is a, it's a dynamic threat. In other words, mm-hmm. the, um, the capabilities of disrupting data changes all the time. Uh, in fact, when I was in uh, the position of management services provincially as the minister, I had responsibility for some similar aspects of the current portfolio. Now we're talking 16 years ago, mm-hmm. and I was once in the cybersecurity center for the government's management of its data security, and there were millions of attempts uh, every mm-hmm. day yeah. to uh, to access uh, government data. So it's something that uh, that there are a lot of protections for, 
and we are responsible in as as the, or I'm responsible as the minister of digital government for the internal cybersecurity. So external cybersecurity, so for assisting the private sector and private citizens, is um, more um, the public safety and security and uh, CSE, our mm -hmm. Signals Intelligence Agency. Mm -hmm. But the government holds a lot of people's personal information, and mm -hmm. so we take that very seriously. And uh, cybersecurity is a big priority of uh, Shared Services Canada, the Chief Information Officer branch, which I lead, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the Government of Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Minister, if if for our listeners and those who are watching today, um, if if they were to uh, ask you, what's the one thing that, as a minister, that you're working on or you're doing that might impact their lives uh, individually? Is there something that you can tangibly talk to us about that your ministry is doing that might actually uh, be impacting the folks who are watching and listening today? Well, any yes, I can. Uh, for for example, any services that people need to go to Service Canada to access, so changes in um, in their situation that might affect their pension or their old age security checks or um, maternity benefits, for example. If you have to go into Service Canada, surely we should be able to provide the information, uh, accept the changes. Uh, from digitally from from mm -hmm, your home mm -hmm. uh, if you think about the number of people who actually don't live near a service mm -hmm, Canada mm -hmm. center yeah, yeah, so exactly. talking about rural uh, yeah. uh, rural Canada uh, it's just a huge initiative to have to drive in uh, you know country roads uh, mm -hmm. winter time in mm -hmm. order to figure out how to register for maternity benefits for example mm -hmm. so we think that those kinds of things should all be available very easily digitally if that's what people want mm -hmm. while always mindful that not everybody wants to and mm -hmm. can use a computer and so yeah. we still need the face-to-face -face, uh, service delivery as well yeah yeah and exactly in fact my own daughter <laughs> I helped her go to a service Canada office and, and deal with that and I thought uh -huh. wow if you didn't live in Vancouver or a major urban center, it could be quite a challenge uh, for uh, you know somebody who's pregnant, just had a baby, whatever, to to deal with it. So yes. it really is a an accessibility issue as well. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of the things when I was reading up a little bit more about your ministry and the work that you're doing on uh, in terms of the potential impact for rural Canada mm -hmm. um, and being able to access things digitally that they weren't able to before. Can you comment uh, on it all about the whole issue around internet access too? So if we go digital as a government, are we ready as a country, in particular in rural and northern areas where maybe internet access is not as good? Is this addressing that at all? Or is this recognizing that maybe not all Canadians have access to the internet as mm -hmm. good as they should? Yeah, no, I think you're quite right. And these are things that have to be done in parallel. So we can't wait until everybody has access before we start changing how government uh, delivers service. And uh, we can't ignore the fact that there's places in Canada that people still don't have access. And I know that uh, Minister Monsef is working on that as the federal government has been over a number of years because we're a big, it's a vast country and people live uh, distributed across vast areas and so uh, they need to be able to be served as well as we are here in Vancouver uh, in mm -hmm. a cost-effective way. And so that's the challenge. Yeah. 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 
One of the things that I'm guessing when you looked at your mandate letter from Prime Minister Trudeau and was hoping not to find is the Phoenix pay system, <laughs> uh, which has been a, 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 I don't know how to describe it other than a disaster for, for governments, for but particularly mm. for public sector workers yeah. who have either not been paid or have been paid extremely late, et cetera. Is there, do you have any explanation why this happened? Uh, and then where are we at now? Okay, how long do we have in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I know it's been yeah. years uh, as a problem, so, yeah, but, but we'll no. have to ask Multiple you to, to make well, it as short as reasonably yeah, possible. Yeah, no, I mean, firstly, it is completely unacceptable that uh, public servants can't count on being paid accurately yeah, and yeah, on time. Yeah. And so we're very seized with that. And, and the... Um, uh, the Public Services and Procurement Minister has been working to bring in extra people, pay pods in ministries, whatever we can do to stabilize the system. And mm -hmm. I am responsible to replace the system. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that Phoenix was the example of how not to do uh, enterprise-wide mm -hmm. modernization. Mm -hmm. So it took mm -hmm. the previous government six, seven, eight years. I'm not sure how long it was. It was a long time in, in taking a, a complex situation, which is that every ministry paid its civil public servants through its system in, in its own way. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple collective agreements that make many, many pay rules. Uh, so it's quite a complex, uh, say 60,000 different rules that have to be incorporated. <laughs> so it was launched and I won't get into some of the communication failures there and mm -hmm. clearly it was not successful. So what we know is that that is no longer the way to do these enterprise, uh, um, enterprise-wide uh, uh, digital transformations. What you want to do instead is do an iterative approach. Work with, focus on the user. So mm -hmm. who are the users with pay? It's the pay advisors in the departments that track some of the exceptions and the, the variabilities in pay. It's the people who receive the paychecks and you really want to work with them and understand them. And then you start trying things and iterate and work in the open with open source open source code and you build something up rather than you work away in the background and then you launch it and it's obsolete before it started. Okay. So yes, I am responsible <laughs> and to replace uh, Phoenix and we are working on what we call next generation pay system and we're doing it in the way that is uh, consistent with modern day digital transformation and I'm optimistic that this will be a very successful approach because uh, the public servants deserve no less. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Joyce, uh, as Bill said, it was a costly venture for us mm -hmm. to go through, but uh, like with anything like this, um, it, there's an opportunity for us to learn, I think, as yeah. a country. Um, yeah. What would you say would be the top two lessons we've learned besides what you've just mentioned now? Because there will be other types of systems, digitization of government that we're going to be going into. Are there things that, generally speaking, you can say that we've learned that will apply to these future projects? Yeah. So. Well, so I think the first one, the first lesson is how you go about it. It's not just what you're doing, it's how you're doing it. And so focusing on the users and, and doing it piece by piece and doing it in the open. So that's a set of learnings which I would consider to be digital principles. I think the other big learning uh, is encapsulated by another part of my portfolio, which is Shared Services Canada. So Shared Services Canada was stood up in about 2012 as, a, as an exercise of, of um, saving money by not duplicating the, 
the management of uh, public servants' equipment, whether it's phones, computers, uh, the servers, the, all of that, uh, but rather to centralize the uh, management servicing of uh, infrastructure and, and um, computer access. Good idea. I think that that made mm -hmm. sense. But what was done is that the government had identified a quarter of a billion dollars a year in potential savings by centralizing. And they withdrew that funding before SSC was organized and stood up. And so what happened is for years, it was a group of very dedicated, capable public servants struggling to create something new with less budget than had been available in the past. And so SSC um, is part of my responsibility to help transform that organization along the lines of uh, being a partner in delivering digital government, which really has a lot of cross-government elements, but also I could get into the kind of uh, changes that we meet, need to make in a, in a vertical Westminster, a top-down authority system that we've had for 150 plus years in Canada, to actually have people thinking across those silos, moving the concrete lane barriers out of the way and being able to have what's called platform government where you are not duplicating things. You are, um, you're, you're creating uh, digital products and services that then can be utilized in departments across the, the federal government. Mm -hmm. Well, so it's a, just a small <laughs> just, challenge. Yeah, wow! Yeah. I was going to say that's just one point, one bullet point on your on your mandate letter. So if that's why it's so much fun, yeah. and no, like it's no. about organizational change and transformation. I am not a technical uh, expert on mm -hmm. the matter of digital, mm -hmm. but I think that really what is needed is to understand organizational change yeah. and continuous yeah. improvement. And so that is some of the skill set that I do bring to this role. Well, I think you, you will be a digital expert by the time you finish this, <laughs> this portfolio. Um, all of the, the, the Phoenix Pay system and, and all the complications uh, make it uh, this uh, an even more interesting question, I think. Uh, one of the things that I've always been amazed by, and you mentioned uh, online banking, that, is that there's a, uh, it seems like an irrational fear of electronic voting, uh, not mm -hmm. just in this country or this jurisdiction uh, or municipally, but around the world. And yet we do millions of banking transactions mm -hmm. every day. We do all sorts of things online. Uh, we can access our most personal data online. What's your thought on whether we should at least experiment with the pilot program mm -hmm. of electronic voting? Well, Bill, I, I would say that the, um, that the Electoral Reform Committee actually addressed that, mm -hmm. uh, that as an option when the committee did its work to think about how we might want to change some elements of our, of our electoral process. And they did not recommend uh, I know. <laughs> uh, voting. And yeah. I, I it uh, is likely because that there are we're still on the cusp of being able to have such a broad-based system that is secure enough mm -hmm. uh, to maintain people's privacy and, and not hackable. So, mm -hmm. is that a? I mean, is the risk of not getting it right worth the benefits that we right. would have from online voting? I think at the, this stage, the committee thought no, mm -hmm. and we can see just that there are risks that the government perhaps does not yet have a completely dialed when we look at what happened uh, with Phoenix. Mm -hmm. We still have more to learn in how to do enterprise-wide transformation with digital, 
And so let's focus on the areas of real need, like are we able to pay um, people their pension checks successfully? Uh, are we able to uh, to provide services to, to to Canadians in the way they need and expect? So those core things, I think, are a priority mm -hmm. before we tackle um, other areas like mm -hmm. online voting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Joyce, I was listening to uh, New York Times uh, Daily Podcast and they had um, a very interesting segment uh, not long ago talking about um, uh, a new app that they have in the U.S. which has, which had, there's a term that they use, it's called scraping the internet, which mm -hmm. I'd never heard before, but it was scraped, I think, three billion photographs of people around the world mm -hmm. and it's all been uh, integrated into this app. And you can now walk down the street, take a picture of someone, put it into the app and you can find out pretty much everything about them. Uh, different photos pop mm -hmm. up, where they work, where they live. Th there's many uh, applications to that type of, uh, of digitization of our world mm -hmm. where there's some positive things. So we're talking about how it was solving crime and it was able to, to, to get the bad guys. But on the flip side, they were talking about people's rights um, and the ability in, in, in democracy or, or emerging democracies where people who didn't want to use that information for the right purposes could get access to it. Mm -hmm. Does that concern you as, as a minister that is going into a world encouraging people to be more digital? Are there things that we mm -hmm. should be looking at or be concerned about? Yes, there, I think there are. And it's one of the reasons that I focus very much on how can we do a digital transformation in the government of Canada that is dedicated to serving Canadians better. What you're talking about is something happening out in the private sector. And we have just last spring released a digital charter that Minister Baines was leading because it, a lot of it was about uh, private sector. It was outward facing uh, principles that we are expecting to be respected expecting to be respected. <laughs> it also did uh, touch into elements of the digital government uh, terrain, which is how how we make sure that privacy and security are, are incorporated by design in what government does in making transformations within government. So I think that it is a, it's a concern. And, and, and in fact, I was just hearing about uh, the concern in, in terms of digital environmental information. Mm -hmm. uh, how can we do a better job on climate change, for example, um, and, and protecting uh, environment and biodiversity, what's the digital component of that? And mm -hmm. I know the United Nations is, is starting to look at that and work on it. Germany is a, a key player, I believe Switzerland. And one of the big concerns is that there is a lot of uh, data on about land and oceans, resources, um, climate that is at risk of being privatized, mm. being made accessible to a private sector entity that then would charge for that data, even though the origin of much of it is governments and oh, really? public yeah. and the public service. So there's a lot of areas where we need to be mindful that that is a risk and we need to find ways to, to protect um, public uh, the public's data that is in the hands of governments uh, from being yeah, yeah. misused and privatized.
That darn Mark Zuckerberg again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, Daniel is usually our, our science fiction Star Trek guy, but I have a Star Trek question <laughs> that directly connects to your your uh, mandate letter, actually, Minister. The um, one of the things it says is uh, talking about the ethical use of data and artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. and the new Star Trek show, uh, Star Trek Picard. I, we don't, we, we, they're not a sponsor, unfortunately, <laughs> but the, one of the plot lines is that the the Romulans, another race, uh, hate artificial intelligence and anything to do Android everything and they mm -hmm. banned all of those kind of things because of past history there um, and it just sort of stimulated my thinking what are, are your thoughts on artificial intelligence and what what's the ethical use of artificial intelligence it kind of maybe fits in a bit with the the uh, the scraping and using of photo imagery well the ethical use of artificial intelligence needs to be a priority and it is a priority for our government and so we do have uh, a focus in the uh, in the um, uh, CIOB, the information uh, branch that um, I lead, on identifying what are the ways that it's used in the public service that will maintain the privacy of Canadians' uh, information and security of their information. So that is a explicit area of, uh, of work. And I think that Canada is actually pretty far out in the lead. Uh, I think we and maybe uh, Great Britain tie for number one on artificial intelligence. In I thought you were going to say Estonia for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can really be proud of Canada. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. been a lot of innovation around artificial intelligence, but we are also um, we're also mindful of that there need it needs to be done in a principled way that is respectful of the values and and principles of Canadians. And so Minister Baines looks at how artificial intelligence is used in the in the private sector and the economic sector, whereas my ministry is about how it is utilized in within government. And I can tell you it is uh, utilized in a way to really use machine learning to be able to provide a better service. Mm -hmm. It's not used to uh, in any kind of way that people would be concerned about. So Minister, what would uh, a discussion on BC Poly Talk be without some political talk? So <laughs> before we let you go, I'd, I'm very interested to hear from you. Just We obviously have a minority situation now in Ottawa, mm -hmm. so uh, all political watchers are watching Ottawa and everyone's waiting for potentially for the you know the government to come down. But how is life different for you now, both as a member of parliament, as a cabinet minister, living in a, a minority government? I know it's only been a matter mm -hmm. of weeks in, in terms of going back to the House, but do you notice any difference, any change for you personally? Daniel, I think that we had a, even in 2015, we had a, an intention to be cooperative with the other parties. And you saw that in the committees, even though we had a majority, there were a lot of amendments that were brought forward by members of parliament of other, of other parties that were accepted. So, but this is now, there's further consequences uh, if we don't seek and get support of at least one of the other parties. And so we're very mindful of that. You're talking to someone right now who ran a national campaign on cooperation and working together. So I have to say, I think collaboration is, uh, is good for all of us and it is good for Canadians. And so I think that this is not a, this is not rocket science. It's about collaborating. It's getting to know people across the aisle. It's working with them, asking them what their priorities are and working together. So I find it fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th I think we're, I think we're, we're, we're enjoying it. 
Well, Minister, I think that uh, you have quite a portfolio and we're really glad you were able to come and talk to us about it, explain it for our listeners and our viewers and uh, good luck with going digital. So are you now an expert in uh, technology <laughs> in a way that I'm not? I, no, absolutely not. All I know is digital bots are following me on Twitter. That's as far yeah, as yeah. I've gotten and I'm blocking them like crazy. Yeah, well, thank you for taking yeah, on that challenge. Yeah. Really do appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate it was fun. It. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much for Thanks the for opportunity. We'll be right back. Yeah. BC Polytalk thanks Harbor Air for supporting the show. It's through sponsorship and viewer support that we get to produce this show. Daniel, I thought that was quite fascinating. And also, I was really quite surprised at the length and breadth of uh, Minister Joyce Murray's portfolio as Minister of Digital Government. There is a lot of stuff there and a lot of important stuff. There's a lot of stuff there. And uh, my first reaction from the interview was, boy, that went fast. Uh, I honestly can say I probably had another dozen or so questions. Mm -hmm, I would mm -hmm. have loved to have been able to get a little bit more uh, deep into some of the areas that she was talking about. And the cybersecurity stuff is fascinating. Mm -hmm. The fact that that uh, it's split between herself kind of dealing with inside the government and then mm -hmm. there's another minister dealing with it outside government mm -hmm. in the private sector. So mm -hmm. I heard her kept, uh, she kept mentioning that uh, multiple times about yeah. the division. Oh, and then she's really dealing with the, the access to government stuff and government records and also protecting them. But mm -hmm. there are foreign sources and private sources out trying to attack, as she said, millions of attacks on government uh, databases mm -hmm. all the time. And we've seen some of the bad results of that in the private sector, in the public sector. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, I was very interested in that. I also thought I, I was particularly impressed with her bluntness on dealing with the Phoenix pay yes. system, yeah, which has been an unmitigated disaster. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, public sector workers not being paid for months and months on end, mm -hmm. being incorrectly paid, and it seemed like this uh, Gordian knot of a problem, and it's still not completely over. Mm -hmm. uh, and so on top of having to deal with the, the ramifications of the, the remnants of that system, she has to help develop a new system that actually yeah. works. So and that, is a, that is a Herculean task. Very big task. And the fact that she admitted she, this is not her kind of area of expertise, but mm -hmm. the fact that she seemed to really capture a couple of uh, mm -hmm. things that she can take away to other projects in government and hopefully apply that to uh, other aspects of government going digital, I think is, if you're a Canadian, uh, that's what you want to hear from a minister. Well, <laughs> thank God she's not an expert because we, we need a normal, ordinary yeah. Canadian to be in charge that so that you don't have uh, all the policy wonks mm -hmm. and the pointy heads and the propeller caps running the thing and, and some other minister who actually is really into that and then nobody knows what's going on. I think she will really get down to uh, a more common sense approach to it. Yeah, and the fact that you can be passionate about something called digital government and try to help explain it. I think she did a pretty good job in the interview of being able to kind of capture um, exactly what it is that she's doing. And I agree with you. I think that uh, the, the government's smart to have taken this on and uh, hopefully it will work in the way that uh, the minister and the government intended to, to work. Yes, and I was very pleased I got the Star Trek reference in this time. You did. <laughs> Congrats. Did a great job. So thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And remember, you can find everything at our website, bcpolytalk.ca. You can also chase us down on Spotify and iTunes for podcasts. You can find us on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find links there. You can go to YouTube and see the show. 